Well, good morning, church family. Uh, I want to start by simply thanking you for joining us here online. Uh, I know this is new for so many of us to sit at home and sort of uh, watch a church service. Uh, but thank you for being flexible in this season as we sort out uh, how to navigate all that's going on uh, with the coronavirus. Uh, and along those lines, uh, I, just want to, uh, I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. Uh, I know during this time uh, there is potential for a lot of stress. Uh, there's uncertainty. Uh, some of you are uh, working from home right now. Some of you, uh, your work has shut down altogether. Uh, schools are on delay. Uh, but let's continue to trust the Lord in this season. Uh, what a great opportunity we have in the midst of a lot of panic around us uh, to be stable uh, because we know that God is in control, uh, that his plan is perfect, and that his will uh, will be done. Amen? Uh, well, if you happen to miss last week, uh, we started a brand new sermon series that we're calling uh, The Glorious Gospel. And through this series, it's our hope that as a gathering, that we would learn what it means to live gospel-centered lives. Um, but of course, uh, if we want to be people who do that, if we want to be people who, who live out the gospel, who share the gospel, uh, we need to actually know the gospel. And so that's what this series is really all about uh, well, just as a quick recap, uh, last week we started with the question, who is God? And what we found through the scriptures, uh, it's really simple, that God is the holy, just, and gracious creator of all things. I'll say that again. Uh, we found through the scriptures that God is the holy, just, and gracious creator of all things. And certainly we know that he is even more than that. Uh, but in light of the gospel, uh, this is what I want us to know. That God is perfectly unique, he is completely separate, and he is absolutely pure. Uh, he's a good judge, and as a good judge, he declares the innocent to be innocent, and the guilty to be guilty. And while that is not good news for us, and we're going to talk a lot more about that today, uh, we'll ultimately see that uh, God is gracious. Uh, meaning that he shows the guilty free and undeserved favor. That he actually, uh, being a good God, a gracious God, that he spares us from what we deserve, and he gives us what we could never deserve. God, again, he is the holy, just, and gracious creator of all things. That's who he is. Well, that brings us to this week. Uh, we're, we are going to be looking at our second question together, and that is this. Uh, who are we? Or you might say, uh, who am I? Uh, we know who God is, but what does our knowledge of God uh, tell us about ourselves? And what we're going to see in the scriptures is this. It's sort of going to serve as our bottom line uh, for today. Um, that we are each created by God, but we are all corrupted by sin. Uh, we are each created by God but we are all corrupted by sin. Uh, that's who we are. That's how the gospel answers the question, uh, who are we? We are created by God, uh, and we are created in the image of God in, in a way that separates us from the rest of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, tells us uh, 
it's a well-known verse. It says this right from the beginning, that so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are created in God's image. It means that we have the ability to reason. We have the capacity for choice. Uh, we can discern good and evil. Uh, we have the capacity for creativity and innovation. We have a longing for relationships and love because we are created in his image. Uh, all of these things separate us from the rest of creation. Uh, we are God's handiwork, the scriptures say. We are knit together by God, special, unique. Uh, we have worth. But at the same time, we also have a capacity for evil in us. Uh, we are able to think, choose, uh, create, and love, but we also are able to hate, uh, to covet, uh, to fight, and even to kill. Uh, the famous British preacher, uh, John Stott, he said this about humanity. I think it's really good, really fitting uh, for this message. He said this, human beings are the inventors of hospitals for the care of the sick and of universities for the acquisition of wisdom. But they have also invented torture chambers, concentration camps, and nuclear arsenals. This is the paradox of our humanness. We are both noble and ignoble. We are rational and irrational, both moral and immoral, both creative and destructive, both loving and selfish, both godlike and bestial. Uh, this is true of each and every one of us. We are created by God in his image, but we have been infected by sin. And therefore, uh, we are totally depraved. We are immoral, destructive, selfish, uh, even evil. That's what the, the scriptures say, that we are evil. And this point is so important uh, to knowing the gospel and being able to live it out. Because how we identify the human condition, what we think about ourselves, directly affects how we live our lives. Or let me say it this way. Uh, if you don't believe that we have a problem, then you can never get to the point of understanding that we need a solution. The gospel says we are created by God, but we are all corrupted by sin. So let's dive deeper into this together. Uh, what does it mean that we are corrupted by sin? I'm going to show you a few different points. Uh, the first one is this. To be corrupted by sin means that we have, number one, uh, rebelled against God. We have rebelled against God. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verse 12. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now that's a pretty harsh accusation, isn't it? No one does good, not even one. But this is what God's word says. And the key to understand that fact that no one does good is to look at the beginning of the verse where it says, all have turned aside. And that simply means that uh, no one has glorified God as God. No one's made that choice. That all of us have rejected God as God. It means that we have rebelled against him. We have turned from him, actually. This is the picture of sin from the very beginning of creation. 
Again, in the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2, we learn that God created male and female in his image. Uh, He created everything, and everything that he created was good. And with that, God gave Adam and Eve freedom with one exception. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And how did they respond uh, to this command? Well, we know how they responded. Uh, With disobedience, with rebellion, God said no, but they uh, chose to do what they wanted. And what Romans chapter 3 tells us is that we do the exact same thing. We do what we want. We live according to our own standards and our own desires. Uh, We choose to be the Lord of our lives. And here's what's so uh, crazy to me, actually, when I think about this. Um, This is the creator God, right? The creator of all things. This is the God who summons the storm clouds, who who calls down rain. This is the God who tells the wind where to blow, the oceans where to move. Uh, He tells the mountains where to begin and where to stop. And what do they do? They all listen to him. Everything in all of creation responds in obedience to the creator until you get to mankind, until you get to you and me. Um, And we have the audacity, actually, to look at God and say, no, that's who we are. We have all turned away from God and to ourselves. And this is the essence of sin. Uh, The essence of sin is the self. It's the self. Sin is ultimately a problem of the self that we have, again, all turned to our own ways. Uh, We live to worship and glorify ourselves and not God. Uh, We are uh, self-seeking, self-pleasing, and self-centered, you might even say. Uh, We run after whatever our hearts desire. This has always been man's way. Uh, Even in religion, uh, you see the problem of the self, actually. Uh, people trying to please God and, and live for God by keeping all of the rules, right? They, they believe that they can be saved because of moral living. But this is, again, actually rebellion against God as well because this is what we call self-righteousness, right? It's an attempt to save yourself. So you see, whether you're a person who is intentionally breaking all of the rules or, or you're trying to keep all of the rules— Ultimately, it's still all about us. Uh, We have turned away from God and turned to ourselves. We have rebelled against God. Uh, Second, what does it mean that we are all corrupted by sin? Uh, We see this. Number two, we are separated from God. To be corrupted by sin means that we are separated from God. Just a few verses later, uh, in Romans chapter 3, Paul writes this. Uh, Look at it with me. It's in verse 23. He says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And what is the result of us falling short of this holy, just creator of all things? Well, the result of our rebellion is separation from him. It's that significant. Uh, But again, this has always been the case since the very beginning. From the starting point of sin, 
back to Genesis. Uh, in chapter 3, as soon as Adam and Eve uh, choose to disobey God, look at what happens. Uh, we see it in Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And so what we see here is the effects of sin uh, are a few. There, there's guilt, uh, there's shame, and there is fear. Uh, we see all of that here in this scene. They are immediately exposed they immediately understand that they were in the wrong. And whereas they were once pure and blameless uh, like God, this is clearly no longer the case. And they look at their shame, and look at their shame and their fear as well. Uh, they are covering themselves here with fig leaves, hiding from each other, actually. But even more important to this, we see them hiding from God. There is no better way to say this, uh, but their relationship with God has been damaged. Uh, they are actually running away here from their creator. They're covering, covering their faces in shame. And so again, you see, sin always separates us from God. And all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. Uh, I hope and pray uh, that this becomes so clear to us here. Uh, that our sin is not something that uh, we can take lightly. Our sin is not something that we can simply uh, cover up or, or forget about. Uh, we need to consider our sin in light of what we know about God and how our sin relates to God. And, and the truth of the gospel is one sin, no matter how small we might think it is, one sin against an infinitely holy, just God warrants infinite separation from him. One sin, just one, get this, it actually involves looking God in the face and saying, your ways are not good enough for me. Uh, my judgment is better. Uh, your authority does not apply uh, to my life, and I'm above your justice and your holiness. Uh, that's what's involved in just one sin. Uh, we are corrupted by sin, and that rightly separates us from God. Well, that leads us to our final point before we consider just a few practical steps to all of this. Uh, but what does it mean uh, that we're, again, corrupted by sin? We've looked at two things. Now we come to our third point. It means this, that we are dead without God. Uh, we are dead without God. Let me show you what I mean by that. It sounds a bit harsh, I know, uh, but look with me at Romans chapter 6, uh, starting in verse 23. Uh, we're staying in Romans for a lot of this message. Paul writes this, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our rebellion against God, our, our sin that separates, uh, where we might think uh, that these things will ultimately lead to, uh, to joy or, or lead us to life. Scripture says that our sin actually leads us to death. That's the truth of the gospel. Our sin causes 
death. And in what way? Well, first, because of sin, we experience physical death. Uh, you see, we, we know that physical death was never intended to be a part of creation. But death entered the world as a result of sin. Uh, we die then uh, because we are sinners. But it goes beyond that to a reality that is far, far worse. And that is that because of sin, we all experience this spiritual death or uh, potentially uh, face spiritual death. That because of our sin, uh, we are separated from God, not just now, but forever. And so you might say that we are uh, dead, dead without God. And please don't miss this, right? Because, uh, be- but because we are dead, it also means that we are totally unable to save ourselves. Because certainly no mere human being who is dead can bring themselves back to life. And and what that really means, right, what we are getting at here is that because we are sinners, because there is no one, uh, not one who is good, something or someone has to give us life. We cannot save ourselves no matter how much we study the Bible, uh, no matter how much we pray, no matter how many Sunday services we attend in a building or, or online like this, uh, no matter how much good even that, that we do for others, we are dead in our sins without God. And we need him to give us life. And thank God that that's exactly what he does in the gospel And we're going to actually talk about this in depth next week. But God is so gracious that he gives us his son, Jesus, who who pays the price for our sins. He has died in our place so that when we turn from our sins and turn to him and, and trust him as Savior and Lord, we know that we will be restored to God forever. That actually we go from death to life. We get life. So this is who we are. We are created by God, created in his image, unique, handcrafted, fearfully and wonderfully made by God. But while that is true, we know that we have all also rebelled against God. We have all made the choice to turn away from our creator and and we've turned to ourselves. And because God is just and holy, that means that we are now separated from him and we are destined to remain separated from him forever. We are dead in our sins and no amount of work on our part can overcome our deadness. We are in need of saving. Uh, We're totally desperate. So this is, again, so essential for us to understand if we want to embrace the fullness of the gospel. This is who we are in light of who God is. Well, uh, that that leaves us uh, today very briefly with the question, how do we weave this truth of the gospel into our lives. In other words, uh, how do we take the gospel truth of who we are and live it out in this world? Well, let me suggest just a a couple things to you. 
number one, first of all, uh, we can acknowledge the reality and the root of sin in and around us. And that simply means uh, starting by calling sin what it is. It's sin. I think at times, um, all of us have the tendency to come up with all types of, of terms for sin as a, as a way to cover up and avoid dealing with these issues that are oftentimes rooted deep in our hearts. But let's actually acknowledge our sin. Uh, so when something goes wrong in your life or in the world around us, don't just talk about it, right, on the, on the surface. Uh, go to the root of it. Get to the core of it. Get to the heart of it. Uh, go to the root uh, of your own rebellion and, and, and the rebellion that's around us. Uh, number two, if, if you want to live this out, if you want to live a gospel-centered life uh, with an understanding of who we are, number two, uh, speak openly about the serious of, uh, seriousness of sin and our tendency uh, towards it. And, and practically, that means, again, sort of tied to the first point, but it just means being honest and open with other people uh, about your own personal struggles. Uh, talk to people with humility about the sins that you face, the sins that you're drawn to, the sins that you're prone to. And while you do that, uh, acknowledge the reality uh, that you know that your sin can ultimately actually destroy you. Uh, it can kill you. Uh, we cannot take this uh, lightly. Uh, we have to understand uh, God hates our sin. Uh, God hates my sin. He hates your sin because it's our sin that literally keeps us separated from God. And then finally, a way to apply this or to, to live out this truth of the gospel, who we are, uh, because of who we are. Uh, number three, uh, let's make I need uh, a regular part of your language. And of course, we mean that we need God here. Uh, certainly, uh, I need is not uh, in the sense of uh, that I need worldly possessions or, or worldly desires, uh, but I need uh, in the fact that we are totally in need of God for everything. Uh, because apart from him, again, we are dead. You see, when we declare our need, uh, we are acknowledging uh, that we are desperate for God and dependent on him for everything. And that's true. We, we are so in your conversation with others, uh, find opportunities. Let me encourage you. Uh, find opportunities to talk about the forgiveness uh, that is needed or found in Christ. Find opportunities to, to talk about uh, the freedom that is only available in Jesus. Uh, the reality of our sin, the reality of who we are because of who God is, should always lead us uh, to, to opportunities to talk about our need for God and the good news that is only found in the gospel. And this is what, again, the gospel says. Who is God? God is the holy, just, and gracious creator of all things. And who are we? Well, the gospel says that we are each created by God, but we are at the same time are all corrupted by sin. And that means that each and every one of us, we are in great need. But thank the Lord there's an answer for that need, which we'll talk about so much more deeply next week. Would you pray with me?
Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. Uh, We thank you, again, that you are a holy, just, good God. Uh, Thank you for the truths of the gospel. Uh, Thank you uh, that uh, you've created us uh, in your image, uh, that we are uh, made perfect in your sight. And God, we just want to say today uh, that that we're sorry uh, for our tendency to to turn away from you into other things. Uh, Help us uh, to continually choose to turn to you, to look to you, Jesus, uh, as the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, God, thank you that while we are dead in our sin, uh, you gave us a pathway to life. You gave us your son, Jesus Christ. He is the way and the only way. May each of us, each and every one of us, know that in in a deep and profound way. Again, thank you for who you are. Uh, Thank you for who you've created us to be. Help us to walk in those truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.